And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando, coming to you live and direct from the beautiful, great state of Jefferson up here on the Smith River. It's falls in full effect. The temps are dropping, and uh, we're excited to um, get some work done inside once the farm is kind of uh, getting prepped for winter. Um, still doing final harvesting of our Jalgu lawn and uh, really excited about where everything's going with Alpha Vedic. We want to thank all of our new listeners who have been flocking over to us through the podcast and through our Telegram. Um, you can join us on Telegram at t.me forward slash Alpha Vedic. A wonderful, vital community there. Also on Discord at discord.com forward slash Alpha Vedic. Uh, there uh, is a more broken up into different subjects. And we have all sorts of great shares there from our community. I try to drop some trippy stuff in there, there every day. Uh, it's really fun. And then of course, uh, to support us, you can join us on our online co-op, which is uh, we're currently still using uh, um, Patreon and that's patreon.com forward slash alpha Vedic. On there actually today, Bear, I dropped a content, uh, uh, a free giveaway through Leela uh, Labs, Leela Quantum Tech, uh, we're giving away three, uh, four packs of their DNA cell protector cards. Uh, Philip was nice enough to, <laughs> to allow us to do that. So um, yeah, really cool. So if you guys are in the co-op, um, we're asking just drop a comment on there and how this would benefit you, your family, your friends, how you'd use it. For instance, um, uh, Philip sent me a pack so I could give them to my wife so she could take it to the hospital, give it to some people there and use it and have it on her body. Um, it's a really, uh, fantastic product. You can see right back behind me over my, uh, what is that? My right shoulder? Seems like my left. Uh, I have the infinity block right there, which is just generating a massive toroidal field in my office as I speak. So I'm lit up and uh, I actually got a card in there right now. And Bear, I was kind of playing around with uh, my 432 hertz tuning fork and I charged it with the DNA cell card. So now um, where's my hockey puck? I don't see it anywhere, but um, now I, uh, I'm going to play around with charging the tuning forks with the quantum block. And um, I don't know, just having fun with all this stuff. So um, so is that why your aura right now is blocking out the image of your face that we can't even see on the screen? I think that's you uh, microdose a little too hard this morning. But yeah, um, but yeah, no, uh, I'm loving. It. I was playing around with it yet yesterday, and also with uh, here with uh, Solfeggio 528 uh, tuning fork, the Me frequency, which I'm using with Sol Luckman's Potentiate Your DNA book, which I'm doing right now. Uh, and by the way, Sol wants you to reach out to him. He wants you on his podcast, Barry. He emailed me this morning, so um, okay, we'll get that set up. And did you check out the crystal tuning forks I showed you? I did. And uh, I actually shared those. I shared that in our Patreon. So uh, in a comment there. So uh, all sorts of juicy, good stuff uh, for the co-op. Uh, we're talking about um, steel versus aluminum tuning forks. And then also you were sh uh, shared with me those crystal tuning forks, which is super next level. Uh, so that is pretty phenomenal stuff there. Uh, what else? Anything else to cover? Uh, you're wearing a pretty sweet shirt there. Yeah, maybe I'll uh, show this off right now. Since I have the best modeling body, uh, Bryden gave me the shirts first. <laughs> so uh, this is our new uh, shirt that we're releasing in a couple days. We've got, what, about a half a dozen more that we'll release through the winter that are already done. Yeah. So uh, 
And we're kind of upgrading our whole merch line here. Can you read that? Simply realize the truth. There is no spoon. Love it. <laughs> and then the back, of course, we have a great Alphavedic logo with sacred geometry. Can you see that? Oh, yeah. That's, that's epic. Okay. There's, there's the toroidal field right there in a way, huh? Scalar energy, baby. Yep, that's it. That's it. That's phenomenal. So that is in a uh, custom cut, uh, really a, a comfy uh, blend organic cotton, or is it just organic cotton? Um, but uh, I can't wait to get my hands on one. I'm going to come out to the farm and grab one of those bad boys. So yeah, so that will be released. We will send that out to the co-op first to get, let the co-op get first dibs on that and see if we sell out or not. But uh, that is the great uh, work of Bryden Lando, one of our co-founders and son of Bear Lando, a good friend of mine who is just an amazing uh, designer and uh, did this hat too, our Lumen hat and all sorts of fun stuff, Richard. We're, we're, we do all, all lot, lots of things here at Alpha Vedic. So um, yeah, really, really fun. That's what the point of right now is. Have fun with it all because we are attracting really awesome people and uh, we're just so blessed to be here and be with you, you awake folks out there. So thanks for joining us today. On this episode, we are going to deep dive into decoding occultology with Richard Balducci. Uh, strap in for this one. Richard Balducci guides us through the world of conspiracy with master dot connecting impossible to dismiss. He is an expert in astrology and the occult. He began his journey as publisher of the satirical magazine Snicker, uh, and his research would eventually unveil secrets hidden in plain sight, which still go without notice to the entrained thinking of the masses. Uh, we're going to go very deep into some incredible uh, level of occultism perme uh, permeating every aspect of our lives. Um, have you ever speculated about the veracity of the claims that the present Beatle, Paul McCartney, is not the real deal? Have you guys heard about this? Have you heard of the book? Memoirs of Billy Shears, which I've been reading off and on, and I gifted Bear actually for his birthday. And Richard was telling us, and we'll let him talk about it. He was just mentioned in the latest uh, edition of it. So very cool. Uh, but if you guys aren't aware of the Paul is dead um, uh, ph phenomenon, uh, which Bear has been aware of since really it started in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, we're going to touch on that. Um, there's also a similar storyline surrounding the death of John Lennon, believe it or not. Uh, uh, how about this? Are World Wars actual conflicts or ritualistic theater for those who fancy themselves, quote unquote, elite? Uh, Richard will most definitely decode the pervasive symbology conflated with our present microbial obsession, uh, the Cornholio incident that seems to be uh, taking over the world, and much more. So um, this is going to be a really entertaining episode. This is the kind of stuff that Bear and I love to geek, on, geek out on in our free time. And while this year we've been really focusing on solution-oriented shows and really diving into practical solutions to help everybody really steer uh, towards the new, um, we thought this would be a, a fun one and an important one because as I was telling uh, Richard and well, my perspective right now in the world, I was explaining to you and Richard yesterday on the phone is that there's two really type of people in this world. Those who understand the top-down control system that is using the dark magic in this magical realm to uh, direct events and maintain their supposed control of the animal, animal farm and those that are aware of it. So those that aren't aware of it and those that are aware of it and those that are aware of it are with us today. 
for the most part. So hopefully we can all enjoy this and then we can share this with maybe some of our friends and family that are still in the dark about this so that they can start to wake up and go, oh, maybe I shouldn't get the jibby jabby. Uh, Bear Lando, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing uh, great today, uh, Mike. And uh, Richard, thanks so much for being with us. I'm really looking forward to this. You know, we aren't just, I think, going to confine this to uh, Beatles talk, but uh, it might be a good place to start after we maybe hear a little bit from you as far as how you began this journey in the first place. Um, you know, I was sharing with you yesterday, Richard, how uh, in about 1968 or so, I was in a or 69 in a dorm room, uh, you know, with some fellow football players in college, and we were, you know, playing albums backwards and looking at covers and my quarterback, you know, was there sitting in, in the room and he was getting all creeped out. You know, you have to understand this is pre-internet. This is before conspiracy theories and everything else. And uh, we're saying, my God, could this be true? And I'm watching, you know, my quarterback's eyes. He's about like this and, you know, freaking out and everything. So preachers well, my- to begin with anyway, they're always a little jittery, you know, back <laughs> in the pocket though. But yeah, but he must have obviously something that even freaked them out even more you're saying oh yeah absolutely so i never dropped uh you know the issue i was just kind of convinced there was something there and then in uh, later years i came across some of your interviews with this on the sage of quay who's a great uh podcast show folks you had to tune into sage of quay out there and um so uh you know, that really brought me deeper because at that point in my life, I also had a, a little bit more of a broader background as far as how the, the world works. And, you know, we might right now give a trigger warning to all the normies out there because we're going to be hearing information that um, will probably trigger all the coincident theorists out there. So you might want to leave the room. Uh, but uh, Richard, I want to say out front, too, that, you know, you're such a brilliant um, investigative researcher. And I think that the whole world would know about your work, except for the fact that be, because it does introduce us to subject matter involving Paul is dead and that sort of thing that, you know, of course, it's dismissed by a lot of people. But, you know, in, in my eye, just following your work for a while, I want to Thank you for the go confidence. ahead, Richard. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I genuinely well, mean that. Well, thank you. Um, thank you very much. That warms my heart. Um, the reason the Enemedia cannot acknowledge that Paul McCartney has been faked for 55 years and counting now is the fact that you look at Joe Biden and he's been imposter replaced. Check the earlobes, you know, from 10, 15 years ago with the character uh, calling himself the pretendident, you know, Joe Biden nowadays. And we see that with a lot of public figures. Yes, they did it with Stephen Hawking. He was imposter replaced. And they did it in a sly way with Katy Perry, by my research. By my research, JonBenet Ramsey did not die John Benet Ramsey has two moles on the side of her right neck, keeping in mind that often they flop the photos sometimes. Some, Katy Perry has the same exact face shape and markings on her neck that is often 
sometimes not covered up by makeup. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's flopped. Uh, so that whole death, uh, that's a death and ritual uh, uh, resurrection with uh, John Benet Ramsey, who was, by the way, six years older than we saw her when we all thought that was current and little Jean Benet was dancing on the stage, but you never saw anybody in the audience. You just saw her always dancing on a stage. That footage was shot six years be before it was shown to the world. So that gave a six year head start for Jean Benet Ramsey to metamorph into Katy Perry, Satanic High Priestess. Wow, you know, it's you know, you know, you know it's interesting, Richard. So Katy Perry is from um, supposedly from um, Goleta, California, and I went to UC Santa Barbara and I have friends that were in the DJ scene because I was a DJ uh, and uh, that went to high school with her and know her personally. I remember being referenced to her with her first original independent singles were coming out way before she was a pop star. So I'd be interested to to talk to some of my homies there that supposedly grew up with her to see uh, if there was any kind of uh, what the history is there. If there was any gaps and when she wasn't around or how long they knew her, when did they meet her, when did she come into the scene? Because I actually know people that knew her before she was famous. Interesting. And her step family would probably be her handlers or close to them. It's a it's a wild web out there of the imposter replacement realm. And, and didn't uh, they make Stephen Hawking his imposter replacement? The, only, the, the longest living guy with ALS, by the way, in human history, allegedly. He died on Pi Day, didn't he? 314. Hmm. Interesting. That was a nice touch. That's like Stanley Kubrick, whose most uh, signature movie is 2001, if you don't count the faked uh, Apollo lunar landing footage as one movie. So he dies 666 days before New Year's Day, January the 1st, 2001, when he died on yeah, March wow. 7th. 1999 on the 66th day of the year on top of it. So, so Richard, <laughs> what I was just sorry, I, I know, I, I know Mike, you and I have so many questions we want to get into. You go first. Well, I was just going to say on the Kubrick thing, because I've been a huge fan of Kubrick as a film guy. He was like, I took courses on him and stuff. And obviously I don't know if you know the work of, uh, of um, um, Oh God, I'm blanking on his name. Who wrote the book about, um, uh, you know, him doing the moon landing, right? And 2001 was playing into that. And then later on in his other films, he was basically dropping- Jay Widener. Jay Widener, thank you. Jay wrote a, a fantastic kind of book that broke down how Kubrick was putting in secret symbology, right? And later on into his other movies, especially um, the movie with Jack Nicholson. My brain is mush today, Bear. What's the The movie? Shining. The Shining, where with the, with the 33 and the, the room uh, and everything and, and the NASA stuff and how that was all basically uncovering the fact that he really did do the moon landing, uh, fake shot the fake moon landing on a set there in the UK, which was related when he was doing 2001. And then you fast forward to Wise Wise Shut, and which was, you know, we, we know there's there's minutes they took out of that. And then of course he was supposedly died of a heart attack. My question is, do you think that this was, and this will play into the Paul is dead stuff. Was he planned from the very beginning to do all this? And then he had a contract where he was to go out at that time. 
or did they take him out because he was um, he was unveiling too much? My own opinion, and this is pure conjecture, it's not based on any scrap of fact. It's kind of like a gut feeling. With the occultism involved in Stanley Kubrick's death 666 days before New Year's Day 2001, I'm coming around to thinking that perhaps his death was faked so that he could have time in secret to do the fake footage of the planes crashing into the Twin Towers and related footage on that to sell that next great big lie. The next greatest, biggest lie since the uh, faked Apollo moon landings, you know, 9-11. So Richard, um, (laughs) wow. Richard, there's so many rabbit holes to go down and what- Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to create a new one there. (laughs) No, no, no. Uh, you know, Mike and I jumped on every available rabbit holes and we love it. Um, what we really hope today for our audience is to get an idea as far as why there are groups of people on the planet that contrive these, um, these kind of sacrificial deaths. What do they get out of it? Where are they coming from? And what is the relevance to world events? Uh, and, you know, I'm convinced, and I, I listened to one of uh, your interviews uh, this morning and, and heard the last part of it, which is talking about there's a ritualistic death happening right now with the United States of America, which I've been convinced for a long time. That's exactly what's going on. So maybe if we can just help our audience uh, wrap their minds around the fact that not only is this, is a, this is a reality, but it's not just fun conjecture to sit around and talk about the Beatles, but it might have relevance to their lives. Well, the Beatles connect to so much, but essentially the United States was set up to be grown into the biggest, supposedly most powerful nation on earth. And then when it's fattened up, we're the fattest nation on earth. Um, Walmart proves that. Uh, We have the most debt that can never be repaid, which they keep adding to. Boy, I wish I could do that. Um, we, We have all this infrastructure that's old and needs repair, antiquated. And the debt is so high it can never be repaid. It's don't worry about it. Put it on the tab. We're not going to pay for it anyway. You loot the country, then you sacrifice it. And I believe the sacrifice is probably centered on or around when the United States will be 13,000 weeks old, which is on August 27th, 2025. That's when the United States will be 13,000 weeks old, counting from July 4th, 1776, and including both dates. Doesn't that tie into uh, the World Economic Forum's projections, too, of the Cornholio? Have you seen that, where they literally that was already in their documentation in terms of, um, you know, planned um, uh jabby uh uh you know protocols and masking and then there seems to be a lot of tying in with that year and that and that time right around that time which is fascinating for the overall worldwide kind of who uh you know uh, world health organization slash world economic forum strategy for this current playing out of this you know worldwide deal to go towards the great reset and the build back better 
Yeah, and Build Back Better is 666 if you use small bees. If you use large bees, each capital B is the letter 13 in disguise. You just pushed the two numbers together to form a capital B. Or little, it's 666, Build Back Better. Yeah, build what, Dr. Frankenstein? <laughs> build our DNA so back better, yeah. So Richard, maybe we could back up just a second and uh, you know tell us how you got into all this in the first place. Well, there was an ad in the paper and I answered it. No, no, no. That was an attempt to be humorous. How, well, <laughs> it all goes back really to Snicker Magazine, the cartoon tabloid that I put out for a number of years that was sued by Anheuser-Busch for seven years that the Pope uh, demanded be removed off his route when he came to St. Louis and um, two billionaires picking on a little humor cartoon magazine. Anyway, to make a long story bearable, I would get all this underground artwork and information. And soon I became more interested in the underground information and more so than the cartooning, which was great too. And uh, it, that just opened the doors. And then uh, meeting and, and being friends with Dolores Cannon uh, when she was in Arkansas. She's from St. Louis. So we would talk on the phone. I'd go to see her um, at her convention sometimes with my ex-wife. And uh, that just opened and expanded my mind, too. So uh, now I consider myself... Um, the first archaeocultologist, which sounds highfalutin, uh, but it essentially means archae is ancient, occult means hidden, ology is the study of the ancient hidden in today's reality, just like COVID-19, which is a 6666 occult signature. That's what's going on. Coincidence, I'm sure. So, oh, incidences. Um, hey, uh, uh, Richard, would you <laughs> yeah. mind hiding, holding that up again so we could see that? I actually do have, I could do a screen share too, but that is an easy, interesting breakdown there that you did. Yeah, can you read it? Yeah, so you, you kind of move some st stuff around. Um, uh, so yeah, right there. Yeah, DC, then VI, then you um, add, you combine two things and then you flip the nine over to a six. So you get um, the 600 in Roman uh, numerals and then of course the six uh, in Roman numerals. And then that is the, um, what is that? The, the, the O and the one combined. And what's that say underneath, Richard? Or just, I can't read that. Yes, the O and the one combined to form a six, and then you just invert the oh. nine for the last six. So you're getting, you're, you're getting four sixes there. Yes, you got a spare six there, you know, for 25% uh, more evil. But, you know, it's the same thing with the word uh, vaccination in the witch's Sabbath adds up to 666. Everybody want to take those vaccinations now? Interesting. Now, the thing about the, um, the witch's gematria, it's different than simple gematria or the Hebrew gematria. I use the witch's gematria quite a lot, as it turns out, um, because the letter A is the number six. 
The letter B is the number 12. The letter C is the number 18 and so forth. Each letter starts out with six and multiplies by six. So that is a very, very revealing occult signature. Also on that, I don't have my piece of paper. Uh, the words a COVID vaccine also add up to 666. And also the word coronavirus is another 666 occult signature. There are six letters in corona. If you use simple gematria and add the, the numbers in corona together, you get 66. The first two letters of virus, VI, form a Roman numeral six for the third six. And then RUS, Rus in um, Latin, means to the country. So what they're saying is 666 to the country. And Richard, for, for those in our community or in our audience here who aren't totally familiar with the 666 meaning, I mean, most people know from growing up, it's just, you know, satanic or whatnot, but why do they have to continually embed this uh, with the Gematria? What is your, you know, what's your reasoning behind this like black magic? Uh, is this how they receive their, their power? Like, why is this always being done? What's the, what's, what's, how's the wheel, how do the wheels turn here? The best way to explain that would be the occult meanings on the pyramid on the back of the dollar bill. Have you ever seen me explain this? Go ahead for our audience. Uh, no, please do. Yeah, please do. Okay. Well, you take the uh, nine Roman numbers on the base of the 13-step pyramid, MDC, CLX, XVI. M is 1,000, D is 500, C is 100, C is 100, L is 50, X is 10, X is 10, V is 5, I is 1. Then what you do, you make three more pyramids with the capstone missing, and you put it in order, M, D, C, C, L, X, X, V, I. You'll notice the base of the first pyramid adds up to 600. The base of the second adds to 60. The base of the third adds to six. Now, the numbers up here, 1,000, 100, and 10 also have profound sacred truth, occult meaning. A thousand times 666 gives you the mass of the sacred star that the ancient Egyptians worshiped as sept, as in sept ember, a burnt piece of charcoal, 11. And keep in mind, we're all carbon-based life forms on that. The mass of the sacred star is twice the mass of our sun. So the mass of the sacred star is 666,000 earth masses. The middle 100 times 666 gives you 66,600, which is the miles per hour that the earth orbits the sun not its rotational speed spin, but its orbital speed. 
66,600 miles per hour. And the last one, 10 times 666, actually gives you the height of the Washington Monument obelisk, which is 555.5 feet tall, which translates times 12 inches per foot to 6,666 inches tall. The same uh, that COVID-19 translates to, 6666. So is it fair to say, and Barry, you can tap into this, that with all these, uh, for, for those that are basically what we call the black magicians, those in the occult that, that they're using the, these uh, connections in this, in, in what it would, if you want to call this a simulation, you call this a simulated reality or whatnot. We know that essentially our consciousness from collectively creates this reality. At least that's kind of where I'm coming to. So in the way they're trying to hack reality th through this so that they can maintain this kind of prison here um, through all this kind of these dark energetics that they're using. Um, is that- I, There's even more to it. There's even more to it than that with the sacred star. Sepsothis Sirius A is the brightest star in our nighttime sky. It's the only red, white, and blue star that we know of. And it's the star that the United States is associated with because when the sun and Sepsothis Sirius, the sacred star, are exactly conjunct is on the 4th of July, 13 days after the summer solstice. Now, normally Sirius A is a blue and white super hot star. But for 70 days a year, it's invisible. When the sun gets too close to it in the sky, it becomes invisible for 70 days, which is the length of time that the ancient Egyptian pharaohs were mummified over a 70-day period. And then when the sacred star reappears, it reappears in the east for exactly 60 seconds on its heliacal rising before the sunrise, it appears red for 60 seconds when it reappears. That is seen as a very metaphysical, powerful thing for these occultists. And the ancient Egyptian hieroglyph for the sacred star is an obelisk alongside a top half of a circle, a dome, and a five-pointed star determinative. That's why we have the Washington Monument Obelisk right next to the Capitol Dome. And the five-pointed star is inverted in the street plan. It's pointing from the north directly into the White House, the negative energy. And also on top of it, as if that isn't enough, the interior uh, schematic of the Great Pyramid at Giza is replicated in the, um, the White House, the Washington Monument Obelisk, and Pennsylvania Avenue, which is, conforms to the ascending passageway of the Great Pyramid. The obelisk uh, conforms to um, the Queen's Chamber, Isis, which is the goddess associated with the sacred star, and um, the king's chamber is associated with the White House. 
So uh, his name escapes me, but there was, I believe, a French um, uh, individual who was brought in to actually try, diagram out the schematic that would become Washington, D.C. Who was that? Pierre Charles L'Enfant. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he did such a good job putting all that occultism in there that he was uh, rewarded by the U.S. Congress in the year 1810. The U.S. Congress paid the architect Pierre L'Enfant of the city of Washington, D.C., the sum of $666.66. So a lot of what... A lot of what the occultists do, of course, is take truths and then invert them in ways for their own use. And, you know, for instance, 666 in and of itself is the atomic number for carbon. You know, and I mentioned this because you brought up that we're carbon based life forms. And I think the real name of the game is since the carbon, you know, six electrons, uh, neutrons and protons, um, you know, uh, really depicts our what we consider our physicality. I think the name of the game is to keep us trapped in this materialistic carbon life form matrix. Well, I know they don't trap you there. Well, yeah, and and and, and this <laughs> uh -huh. all ties in right, Bear, to what we talk about every week on the show, which is real science, real science, which taps into the actual real ether, the real energetics of the cosmos and of this plane. And that's really all there is. That's what the obelisks do in the domes. These are all etheric technologies. And seems like to me, they're taking the, um, the specific frequencies and vibrations of the 666 of the geometry and manipulating to create certain fields to maintain a spell, if you will. Uh, magic is science, science Dang. is magic, yes. right? Yeah. So we Touchdown. see it with the zombies walking around with the masks on, bewildered, kind of under the spell. And we are there's a field over the entire world. And of course, we know that the, the, the D.C. city of London and Rome are all connected there as central nodes. Right. Tying into the ley lines and all this. It's all interconnected. Uh, and so really, in the end, uh, what's beautiful about right now is the occulted is not so occulted anymore because we're talking about it today and everyone's talking about it so um I that's think what's so scary it's so out in the open for instance did you see on october 1st the other night the pretended and joe biden came out and he said quote it doesn't matter when it doesn't matter whether it's in six minutes six days or six weeks we're gonna get it done the interesting thing about that little phrase, the words six minutes, six days, six weeks in the witch's gematria totals to 2214, 2214, as does the words coronavirus 2020, spelled out. Wow. It's, wow. it's so brazen it's, now, Fair. Go ahead, man. They're just right out there. No, doing I was it. just going to say someone in our live chat also mentioned that Biden recently said uh, it took him six hours to reach his destination on Route 66. So they're always doing this stuff. And by and the Route way, Trump used to do this stuff all the time, signature. too. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Route 66 is an occult signature. If you look at that shield, you got your 66. 
And then it has six points on it. There's your 666, America's original road, 666. Just keeping right in, in line with the fact that the first monument in the United States is the Devil's Tower. George Washington sworn in on the Witch's Sabbath, Valpurgis Night, April 30th, 1789. You know, we can go on and on. So it's what happening. I, it's happening today. Yeah. Um, Richard, this is phenomenal. And I do want to touch more on the uh, notion of how consciousness and souls and, and lives play into this through the reincarnation cycle and touching in on how they use specific souls uh, as demarcations for events. This kind of leads into the Paul is dead uh, uh, concept. Uh, the idea that Paul McCartney was uh, in a way like a sacrificial lamb or whatnot. And also there's there's something to do. I don't know if you're familiar with this other kind of theory, but that Paul isn't dead, that he's actually a dude living in a place in in uh, outside of London. People have supposedly found him and knocked on his door and he came out. I don't know if you've seen that video. So there, that, that is 100 percent false. That was okay. a brilliant uh, tactical maneuver by MI5 uh, or whoever to have somebody that looks really like Paul living in his old house and it takes the edge off that he was beaten to death with a beetle, a silver hammer by Maxwell Knight, the head of MI5. And a guy who trained assassination hit squads for the CIA, Jose Perdomo, murdered John Lennon at the Dakota occult signature. So you got the head of MI5 murdering one beetle, and you've got uh, a guy who trained and taught CIA hit squads for the CIA. They farmed that job out to kill John Lennon, the other beetle. So I guess the, the, the question routing back to Paul is why? Why go through all this? Um, and what I, what's brilliant about your work and, and how you tie in all the dates and everything is it really, in many ways, because it's way beyond just coincidence, it's all pre-planned. It's all known from pretty much the day Paul was born. It's all connected to his death and the dates and the gematria and everything. So it's really supernatural uh, in the end on how this all works out. Um, why? And please, uh, if you want to go into a little bit of that and how those connections work. Okay, I'll tell you why James Paul McCartney was selected for a satanic ritual human sacrifice in a minute. Something I've never talked about before, and I still have a lot of work to do on it before I really flesh it out, is how much of what happened to Paul McCartney and John Lennon, how much it is a schematic uh, based upon ancient British, English versus Scottish history. In other words, Mary, Queen of Scots, the last Queen of Scotland, she gave birth to the first king of Great Britain, James I, who when he became James, he was James VI of Scotland when he became king of England and then Great Britain, his name was known as James I. You might have heard of him. He wrote a little book called the King James Bible. 
after his satanic book, he uh, worked about demonology uh, earlier. Uh, I, I digress. They share the same birthday. King, the first king of Great Britain, his birthday was June 18, 1566. And Mary, Queen of Scots, was born December 8th in her year. Uh, that year escapes me at the moment, but December 8th is the ritual execution date of John Lennon. June 18th is the birthday of James Paul McCartney. When Mary, Queen of Scots, made her triumphant return to Scotland. It took place on September the 11th. September the 11th in the year 1297 was the date that Braveheart, William Wallace, had the first great victory ever of anyone over the English army at the Battle of Stirling Bridge. So September the 11th is actually on the good side, it was a day that the peasants revolted and defeated the English army. And that's why the Englishman, James Paul McCartney, was executed 13 days after the last Beatles concert on September the 11th, 1966. And the guy who took over for him was the Scotsman, William Wallace Shepherd not only a direct descendant of Braveheart, William Wallace, he is the son, we are 99.9% certain at this point, he is the son of the magician, the false Paul is, Aleister Crowley. Uh, so, so, Aleister so that Crowley would be Billy, she Billy Shear or Billy, he goes by a few names, Billy Shepard. Billy Shears. Is a nickname William Wallace Shepherd is as close to his real name as we've gotten. He's just known as William or Billy. <laughs> I have the uh, mother identified too. Uh, I do not have. Well, her paperwork over yonder. Do you think this? Do you think the Scots? Uh, do you think this goes back to uh, potentially uh, the Phoenicians uh, or Celts and that that to a, that as a tribe from Atlantis? I mean, this goes way back in terms. Yes, of the it's war. like a, an ancient grudge mm -hmm. that gets played out down through the ages in various ways, still to this day, between Scotland and England. Um, it's like never pick a fight with the Scots, man, because they'll they'll take it all the way to future generations, man. Leave those people alone. <laughs> Scotland has never been conquered, I must say. So as an Italian, I have to admire that since Rome was the most sacked city on earth. Yes, yes. And there's there's a there's really phenomenal history behind Scotland and Ireland, too, with like I was mentioning with the Celts and uh, going back to the Druidic traditions and then beyond that to the, you know, a lot of great research going into the one of the after the fall of Atlantis, actually, uh, uh, Atlanteans had moved to that island and it was a great place of uh, enlightenment still. Uh, and uh, it just makes, oh, there's so many ways to tie into this information. I'm, my mind is blown right now, and I, I love Braveheart, too, and the fact that Mel Gibson did that, and he seems to be super tapped in, right? 
Well, what it doesn't show in the movie Braveheart, they left this out for whatever reason. The reason that the Scots slaughtered the English was they allowed, they were outnumbered. The Scots were outnumbered vastly. And what they brilliantly did was they hid in the tree line up the hill and watched as the English army tried to cross this very narrow bridge, Sterling Bridge. So they waited for two thirds of the army to come through and get clogged up on the bridge and they swooped down, the Scots did, and just mercilessly slaughtered them. Some would say that's a kind of a cheating tactic there, not honorable, but others would say in love and war, you know, all is fair game. I mean, their wives, their their virgin wives are being raped by the 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 magistrates, and according to what I guess what written history is saying, right? So they they were pretty pissed off. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the perks that uh you know apparently still carries down to this day in some parts. Yeah. Um, and now here's warfare. to finish up. To to finish up, excuse me, on the whole interesting aspect of Mary Queen of Scots and uh, giving birth. Mary Queen of Scots gives birth. The last Queen of Scotland gives birth to the first King of England. And 13 days after that, Nostradamus died. Just had to Mm. throw that in there. There's something profound about that, Bear. You're going to have to muse on that. Get back to me. Yeah, my uh, my mind is going in about 20 different directions right now. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Warfare is not about being fair. It's it's about anything to take out the enemy. And, uh, you know, even to the extreme of injecting unsuspecting people with poison and killing them that way. So, uh, you know, here we are again. And by the way, I'm sure this YouTube will be our finer, final sensor here, Mike. <laughs> Uh, it's you know it's uh, funny you know it's funny yesterday and I think I had told my kid about this but he came downstairs into the bathroom he's like dad dad come in here and he brought me in and he turned off closed the door and he's like bloody Mary bloody Mary you know remember that when you do that in the mirror and then supposedly she pops up with blood coming down her face I was like don't do that um but yeah that happens, the- <laughs> but only with ex-wives so it's like- um, <laughs> now to finish up why James Paul McCartney was chosen in the first place. There are a couple of big astronomical tells here at work. When he was born June 18th, 1942, he was born when the sun was exactly conjunct the star Betelgeuse, which is in Orion's right shoulder. So Beetle Paul McCartney was born when the sun was conjunct Betelgeuse and they were both in opposition to galactic center, which is considered to be the womb of the Milky Way galaxy, allegedly where a black hole is located at 26 degrees Sagittarius. So James Paul McCartney was born when the sun was conjunct Betelgeuse, whose mass equals 6,660,000 Earth masses. In opposition to the womb of the Milky Way galaxy, which Tom U. Harriet tells us that Aleister Crowley said when the age of Osiris was ending and the age of Horus was beginning, it would take place when the sun pointed at Orion's right shoulder, which is Betelgeuse, and it involved the womb of the Milky Way galaxy, which is in opposition to the sun conjunct Betelgeuse on the day Betel. James Paul McCartney was born 
which is why he was also killed with a beetle, B-I-E-T-E-L, which in the Old English meant hammer. The beetles actually doesn't just mean the bugs or the insects. The beetles translates as the hammers. The word Macca, which was James Paul McCartney's nickname, Macca, McCartney, Makaba in ancient Aramaic translates as hammer. So even his nickname meant hammer, which is why William Wallace Shepard took over the role after Maxwell Knight beat James Paul McCartney to death, blew his mind out in a car with Maxwell's silver hammer on loan from the Vatican because it's actually the Vatican's war hammer. The unique shape of the head of the war hammer of the Vatican perfectly matches the fatal head wound of Beatle James Paul McCartney. The photograph that was shown to John Lennon that caused his eyes to bug out and to him to laugh hysterically when Brian Epstein showed him the photograph, tortured him for the rest of his life. And it's also the photograph that is subliminally inserted in the Paul McCartney 1882 music video at the one minute 58 second mark. He embedded, he encoded that bloody autopsy picture of Beatle James Paul McCartney. You have to freeze frame it, but you can capture a screen uh, capture if you're quick enough, if you can frame it. It might take some doing, but it's there. So he was trying to tell the truth and hide it in plain sight. So I was just going to ask, might recall, I was going to ask Bear, why does the Vatican have a war hammer? Could you explain that? Well, the Vatican's medieval, man. They go way back. They, uh, they've been in the war business for a long time. They've been in the satanic uh, realm for God knows who long, or how long. Uh, the Vatican knows war. The Vatican, Vatican knows evil. The Vatican knows revenge. When you say the Beatles are bigger than Jesus, uh, that tends to piss off the Vatican, Pope Paul VI. So they uh, they need to explain why their war hammer matches the fatal head wounds. And by the way, the, the war hammer is also known in occultism as the Malleus Maleficarum which translates as the witch's hammer. It's black magic witchcraft at the highest levels. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. what's going on. Now, here's the last component. Here's the last big component of why James Paul McCartney was selected to become a ritual sacrifice. James Paul McCartney was born June 18th, 1942. Exactly 666.0666 lunar cycles after the first Jack the Ripper ritual killing on August 31st, 1888, including both dates. That's 19,649 total days, which is why in 1964, on 2 February the 9th, they appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show. 
If you add uh, all those numbers together, you'll get an 11, which is also a two. The 19,649 days is also encoded into the date that the Beatles appeared 77 days after the JFK assassination on the Ed Sullivan show, which exploded them to worldwide fame and fortune. So I had a couple other questions about the origins of the Beatles uh, in the first place and how that all happened. But first, maybe can you tie in some of the information uh, relative to the whole sacrificial murder of Paul with uh, M from, you know, British secret intelligence and so forth? Well, you'd have to know the history of Maxwell Knight and how he became uh, where he ended up at MI5. He was a anti-communist fanatic. Uh, he didn't like um, Jews and he didn't like foreigners in England, Great Britain. So it would only be natural that MI5 and um, Maxwell Knight would take a keen interest in the phenomenon of the Beatles and Beatlemania with the Jew uh, um, Brian Epstein at the helm. Um, he's a nefarious character. I have him linked to two other murders. I'm not sure where that paperwork is. I think it's over here. Um, he, his trademark was hammers and also poisoning. Um, a very sinister character. That's why you see a representation of Maxwell Knight on the cover of the Beatles' last album, Abbey Road. He's across the street looking at uh, the Beatles in particular, but also George Harrison, whose head is making contact with the Beatle car. Beatle means hammer, remember? While George is the only Beatle looking at the obelisk, which is not on camera. Now, the thing about um, also linking Maxwell Knight to the murder of James Paul McCartney is you have to keep in mind the Beatles dared not breathe a word of this. They could not tell the world what happened and that the guy was replaced. This ate at them and starting especially with the first album with the replacement, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, they started embedding backwards, backmasking clues, visual clues, all kinds of clues. In fact, that album cover gives you the date of James Paul McCartney's death on the drum, 111 he die, when you hold a mirror horizontally at a 90 degree angle with lonely hearts. It gives you September the 11th. And then it gives you the time of his death on the back cover where George points to five o'clock as, as the day begins. James Paul McCartney, when he was alive, the moon made exactly 300 orbits during his lifetime. He was killed at five o'clock a.m. as the day begins, 300 moon units, moon units, minutes after midnight, the witching hour. He was killed 88 minutes 
before sunrise. There are 88 stars in the constellation of Orion, and uh, there are 88 constellations classified in the heavens. So there's a minute for each constellation and a minute for each star in Orion. And Orion, of course, is Osiris. Osiris's belt points right at the sacred star, Isis, Sepsothis, Sirius, the obelisk, a dome star. It's quite intricate. Yeah, it is. So going back to the Beatles, uh, their origins, was that a spontaneous event where a few guys getting together and forming a band, or was that orchestrated as well as far as the, what band members made it in the original Beatles? From the first uh, opportunity that Paul McCartney met John Lennon, July the 6th, 1957, that was orchestrated because that was astronomically speaking, not date-wise, but astronomical geometry-wise. It was 55 years to the day after the birth of Paul McCartney's father, James McCartney. So counting from the moment, the day that the real Beatle, James Paul McCartney, met the future Beatle, John Winston Lennon, to April the 4th, or April the 10th, 1970, April the 10th, 1970, is the date that false Paul, William Wallace Shepard, announced that Paul McCartney would no longer work with the Beatles ever again. So from those two dates, that span of time equals exactly, once again, 666 months to the day. Now, to top that off, I don't know if I mentioned this one or not. Let me know if I'm repeating myself here. Uh, this gray hair is here for a reason. Counting <laughs> from the day that the Beatles recorded their first uh, single off their first album, Love Me Do, that was on September the 11th, 1962. And that day is exactly counting from that day to the cremation ritual of John Lennon totals 6,666 days. He was cremated December 10th, 1980. That includes both dates. These are not accidents. These are long range planning. So what's the, uh, the real Paul McCartney, um, the OG Paul, uh, what was his, uh, do you think his birthright in, into all this? Because uh, we know so the Billy, right, he's Crowley. You were saying that he's the Crowley connection, correct? And that the real Paul, do you know if he had some kind of uh, family bloodlines that were going back? That the reason That's why very interesting that you should bring that up because there is some murkiness there. Uh, Mary McCartney, Mary Patricia McCartney, she was a nurse uh, working with the babies and that, you know, war babies and such. It's very possible that the real James Paul McCartney could have been adopted along with his brother and that kept secret. Uh, th there are people that are looking into that. There's just so much, um, you know, sleight of hand with the Beatles, especially. That's one of the big ones. And it, the Beatles tie into so much else. 
the Beatles tie in to uh, Rosemary's Baby, you know, yes. one of the most satanic movies of all time, because that movie, Rosemary's Baby, was all filmed on a soundstage at Paramount in California, except for two location scenes. And those location scenes were both right outside the entrance of the Dakota building where John Lennon was assassinated 13 years later. The, the last the shot where um, Angela Dorian, Victoria Vetri supposedly either fell or committed suicide to her death is that spot. And also the very last shot in the movie, the camera starts panning up and away like it's a departing soul. That's the exact spot where John Lennon was ritually sacrificed beneath the arch of Bell Ball Bale at the Dakota building. So, so while we're at Dakota, who is Yoko Ono exactly? Yoko is a witch. She told us that on one of her album covers. And uh, the witch made out pretty good for herself. She was obviously a handler for John Lennon when after his best friend and songwriting partner was so brutally bludgeoned to death, um, he realized they could do that to any of us. And he turned to drugs, hard drugs, pretty quick with that. And he met Yoko uh, November 9th, 1966, on top of it, and got freaky with her. And so uh, she kind of... Uh, guided him, you know, settled him down because he was a loose cannon. He could have blown the whole uh, imposter replacement deal. Now, the interesting thing about Yoko, when she was conceived, uh, the sun was conjunct the star Rigel, which is one of the six stars in the winter hexagon. The point being that Rigel illuminates what is known as the Witch Head Nebula. So here's where I'm going with this. On December 8th, when John Lennon was ritually sacrificed at the Dakota building, the Midnight Sun was exactly conjunct the Witch Head Nebula. And two days later, when his cremation ritual ceremony happened, overseen by Yoko Ono, the witch, the Midnight Sun was conjunct Rigel, where the witch Yoko Ono was conceived by her parents. So in other words, when Yoko Ono was coming into this realm on a soul plane level, her life force, uh, the sun was conjunct Rigel. When John Lennon was dissipating from this realm, being cremated, that happened when the midnight sun was conjunct Rigel, which was so important to the witch. Then she inherits everything. The witch's spell, it's complete. Now she plays the grieving poor widow, the poor widow Ono. Oh, you know, she plays that role with sympathy. Then she I, built a satanic memorial to John Lennon. That's a whole nother thing. Looked up the John Lennon and uh, obelisk of light dealing. You know. So we, it I just asked. Goes on and on. So yeah. So a lot of people thought that John was 
was going to spill the beans as they took him out. But as you rightfully say, nope, it was all pre-planned. This was part of the uh, his date to go, right? And a lot of that ties in, I guess, to maybe the date when they signed the contract, which they talk about in the Billy Shears book, right? The original contract. Yes, October 24th. 1963. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's some freaky numerology connected with that, too. Is it, true that the, is it true that the uh, individual that assassinated John Lennon had some strong ties to the Bush family as well? Well, he probably does, uh, because he came from uh, Cuba, and uh, he was in Operation 40, for the CIA, along with uh, Frank Sturgis, who was a Watergate burglar and another assassin, also uh, connected with the JFK assassination, you know. Uh, so he probably, they, they, you know, they probably all knew each other. They pat each other on the back, you know, who God knows, because I tell you what, Malcolm Mac Wallace, he's in the same picture George H.W. Bush is in, in their Yale University skull and bones picture. And Dr. James Fetzer has proven that Mac Wallace was the shooter in the Texas school book depository that shot John Connolly, LBJ's buddy. And someone in chat here was saying that Barbara Bush is, uh, I guess, related to Crowley. So. Bing again. You have to keep in mind that Aleister Crowley, Crowley, you can say it either way. Um, he had a lot of children out of wedlock that don't show up on the books through his sex magic. So he, when he conceived William Wallace Shepard, he had a ceremony where he conceived him on or around the day of the son's death, the winter solstice, so that he would be born September 9th the one after 909. And then when William Wallace Shepard, the fake Paul McCartney, uh, conceived his son, James McCartney, he did it. So he was conceived on the day of the son's birth, uh, Christmas Day, December 25th, when the sun once again starts rising north in the Northern Hemisphere. So his son, James McCartney, was born on uh, September 12th, 1977. So the father is conceived on the day of the son's death. The son is conceived on the day of the son's birth. Wow. And this nice all- family. That ties in. I'm sorry to cut you off, but keep in mind that Sean Lennon was born on uh, John Lennon's birthday. Yoko Ono timed that really good. She made sure they did a cesarean section. Hey, he's not coming out quick enough. Get in there. Get him out. I want him born now, now, now. That's what I was going to ask, Richard. They're really good at inducing labor and getting him out at those exact times. It's just freaking freaky. Well, it's a big deal metaphysically. Were you conceived in an act of passionate love? Were you conceived in a dark ritual? You know? Um... It's intense. There are people that pay attention to these sorts of things, and we call them black magic, occultists, Satanists, which is warlocks and politicians. Yeah, just like uh, it's um, Rosemary's Baby. They uh, straight up show it all there. Go ahead, Bear. 
And when you get into the origin of words, uh, there's a lot of interesting things that come out. For instance, sorcery, uh, you know, depending on some old world definitions, relates to pharmacia. It also uh, can be translated into ven. You know, it brings in the whole black magic rituals that are happening right now with the um, big pharma and what's up there. So, uh, you know, when you get in and, and discover that all these words have connections, you know, again, it's more than coincidence. I had one last question uh, about the Beatles, you know, because I was one of those people that was holding albums up to mirrors, and, you know, and all that sort of thing. And uh, one you don't of have the things to be I did of that any longer, you, you, yeah. you've been proven that you were a wise man back then. Yeah. Another interesting one along the way, what was it? today i think uh you know we dampened the uh the cover and then peeled it off and then it revealed the uh original cover underneath which was called i think would they refer to that as the butcher cover or something and it had the beetles there with uh you know butcher hatchets and everything meat cleavers and there was all these uh baby dolls that were hacked up so and now that was uh that was a while back. So uh, had the Beatles had any foreknowledge of what they were involved with, or were they just going along for a ride with their handlers? I think the Beatles were actively involved from that blood oath that they took, you know, October 24th, 1963. And I think more and more was thrown at them as time went on. Uh, but they didn't realize the full extent of what they'd gotten themselves into. And uh, yes, they're immortal, but it played out very painfully and badly for both of them, personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as I was about the magical mystery tour, is what the hell's the magical mystery? We know what the tour is. You know, we watched the tour bus in the movie, but what the hell's the magical mystery? Well, the magical mystery is the fact that the movie starts out at the location where James Paul McCartney was murdered 10 miles north on the Dewsbury Road. And the magical mystery tour ends at the Dakota crime scene with the death of John Lennon because the magical mystery tour album was released 13 years to the day before the death of John Lennon on the same day in 1967 that the Rolling Stones released for their Satanic Majesty's request, the album cover of which features the four Beatles in the magic circles. So those magic circles were cast 13 years to the day those albums both came out before the Satanic ritual human sacrifice of John Winston Ono Lennon. Okay, so since you brought up the Rolling Stones, uh, of course, one of their original members uh, allegedly drowned in a swimming pool. Was there anything uh, further to what actually happened there? Yes, memoirs of Billy Shears talks about that a bit, and I'm only just started research into that whole can of worms, you know. Apparently, he was the most talented uh, member, founding member of the Rolling Stones, so uh, history tends to repeat itself on a lot of these uh, sacrifices, especially with bands, you know, people that really want to get ahead in the entertainment realm. There always seems to be some sort of death or sacrifice 
involving someone close to them, if not themselves. Yeah, we've seen that obviously the number 27 death a lot with a lot of these uh, uh, rock stars from the 60s and 70s. Um, and something I brought up yesterday on our pre-call, it's interesting because, it, you know, you would think like, because we know John from from the memoirs of Billy Shears, it, you know, and other accounts that John Lennon really loved the original Paul. They seem to be really close. And um, the Beatles all really loved him, it seems. They were all close and that it obviously was heart-wrenching for to go through all this for them and to have to suffer through all these years hiding it. It's, that's amazing that none of them cracked and just came out and said, he's dead, you know? And, and, and I think that's what a lot of people have problem with wrapping their heads around. Why, how can they keep this so occulted? And I was bringing up that maybe this plays into the pact that goes pretty deep and even into future incarnations and that there is a much longer game here. And this ties into Tavistock. This ties into uh, to dark, deep underground black projects, secret space program, all this stuff. These technologies that they've been working on for a long, long time tie in. And this is what I think they're trying to do really right now with the play is actually interfere, interfere with the reincarnation cycle and ability of, uh, of the truly spiritually tapped in consciousness of people like ourselves to do that. And maybe that, I don't know, I'm just spitballing here. And we talked about it briefly yesterday, Richard, do you think maybe the reason why um, besides, you know, being threatened with your family and friends to come out with this, that they have longer, bigger repercussions from breaking this soul contract, if you will, that they've done in this realm with the dark forces yeah. or whatnot. You blew my mind when you pointed out that that aspect could be going on on a multi-plane dimensional level uh, that William Wallace Shepard would be keenly aware of as the son of Aleister Crowley. You know, he dabbles in that himself. You know, the thing about um, how this is all a witch's spell to some extent, uh, the Beatles or the uh, the genocide jab, uh, all of these things. Here's a quick rundown about the Dakota building where John Lennon was executed. Uh, I'm going to read this here. From the day that the Masonic Foundation Stone was laid for the Dakota building on October 25th, 1880, to the date that James Paul McCartney and John Lennon took their ceremonial blood oath to Lucifer on October 24th, 1963, spans a total of 996 months. Recall that counting from the date that Brian Epstein met the Beatles on November 9th, 1961, to the date of the cremation ritual of John Lennon, on December 10th, 1980, spans a total of 996 weeks. While the height of the obelisk in St. Peter's Square stands exactly 996 inches tall. In the witch's gematria, the word, the words September 11, total to 996. So there's a little more to that. 
going on. As we all know, the devil's number is said to be 666, which is so prevalent. However, Lucifer's number is 996. In Gematria, Lucifer's number, those words total to 996 in the witch's Gematria. In fairness, uh, I should also point out that Twin Towers totals to 996. Anuit Septus, which the Masons always mispronounce as Coeptus, totals to Lucifer's number 996. So does Eternal Damnation. Chateau d'Amerois which is the Mothers of Darkness Castle, totals to 996. I could go on, but, you know, probably become boring and a doddering foolish. No, not, <laughs> not boring at all. Uh, a, a friend of our uh, uh, Alpha Vedic, Marty Leeds, you know, of course, is very masterful uh, as well as far as going through all the Chamatria in this fashion. You know, just a comment about um, what Mike said about things being played out on different dimensions. Well, understanding how life works, there's always multidimensional. There couldn't be life without it. And it just mirrors down through every dimension. And it's all based on the uh, soul, uh, the journey of the soul that is based on agreements that are made when we are in, in a more aware state before we embody into the matrix in the first place. Now, if there are certain people that have kept us ignorant of this fact and how you know things really work when we re-embody according to these agreements and, and things, loose ends that we have to tie up ourselves, um, and if this knowledge was kept with a select group of people, then, of course, they could use this very efficiently, not only against us, but also to set up future events and so forth. So I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, relative to Mike's comment is I, I think that's absolutely spot on. And they're just uh, operating with a little bit more awareness and using this knowledge, uh, whereas the rest of us aren't even clued in that, you know, these dimensions occur in the first place. Well, if you can divine the future, which a lot of occultists try to do, that's a big feather in your cap. If you can get even little snippets of what might happen, you know, that's a big advantage. That's a big tool you would want to keep from us lowly, you know, peons down here uh, in the masses. So, you know, they could be surfing other dimensions, realms, mind tripping, uh, God knows what, invoking demons, obviously. Because that explains Fauci, you know. Well, it, okay. I, so I was just gonna say it's obvious that with what CERN is right, and what a lot of things they're doing, um, and and th and this is the the public facing technology. You know, we know there's a lot of secret technology that is light years ahead of what they've uh, put out to the public. But it seems like 
one thing that that a lot of things that we have going for us is our ability to tap directly into what we call space time or these other consciousness fields because we are connected through the heart uh, power, right, of uh, the Merkaba or whatever you want to call it, the the esoteric kind of energetic uh, science that we can tap into as infinite consciousness, where these dark magicians have to use this stuff because they have disconnected from that. And so this is something we have to remember and have to take great, you know, joy in and gratitude that we're uncovering this and seeing that, whoa, once, once this is all taken out of the shadows, the light, you know, uh, uh, dispenses with the shadows immediately. Um, so, you know, this can get kind of doomy and gloomy with we just, you know, covering this stuff. But once it's uncovered, it's just like, boom, instantly gone. Well, you should rejoice in the uncovering because once a witch's spell is known, the spell is broken. The, the magic can't work over you if you are become aware that you've been under a witch's spell. That's why it's so hard right now to wake up so many people with this mask business and smothering yourself and, uh, you know, having someone jab up your nose with you know, poisonous uh, ethylene oxide on it um, or being induced to to want to take a jab with that has a uh, graphene oxide and a smorgasbord of other contaminants, you know, germs, DNA manipulation. The spells are very hard to wake some people up. Just as September the 11th, 1966 and 2001 are witches spells. Uh, so is what's going on today. And by the way, the reason they select September the 11th to do a lot of ritual sacrifices is because on that day in the year on the uh, prime meridian at London, England, Greenwich timeline, the sun uh, rises, or excuse me, there are 13 hours of darkness on September the 11th, which is equal to 660 minutes of darkness. So that's what they're worshiping. That and the fact that September the 11th is exactly one human gestation cycle of 260 days after the birth of the sun on December 25th. So September the 11th is one human gestation cycle of 260 days, uh, which conforms also to the Mayan Aztec calendar based on the human gestation cycle of 260 days, then they have a ritual sacrifice on September the 11th, life and death. So in present time here, what's uh, what do you think the end game is? What uh, do they conceive as far as their ultimate goal here? Well, I think we're all aware of that. They want to have a one world of some kind. They're, they've already permanently contaminated the human DNA with these mRNA uh, poison jabs so that people now can, are patented. Anyone who's taken the jab has been patented by the corporate government system, and they're now owned, and they've lost all their unalienable rights. They have no human rights now because their DNA is a hybrid and they control the patent on that, which means they control you if you've taken that jab. They didn't mm -hmm. explain that in the fine print, 
Yeah. And as we talk a lot about on our show, uh, you know, mm-hmm. DNA actually being a uh, an antenna of sorts and human DNA, you know, with the horizontal rungs allowing us to tune into, you know, greater expansion of bandwidth. Well, when our DNA is modified the way it's being done now, then that perceptive bandwidth is greatly reduced down to more of an animal level. So we really lose the ability to connect to those higher realms. And I think that is, you know, basically their end game is not just to kill a lot of people, but just to shut us off as far as what we're here to do as far as this soul journeys in the first place. I think, yeah, I think they're created a lot of uh, zombie movies, you know, to uh, get everybody used to the mental fog zombies that'll be walking around in human form. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I really now more never think that the end game is they understand that there are these other realms, (laughs) uh, these other dimensions that we can access. And they're trying to digitize and control those in a synthetic manner so that we can no longer tap into those and we can no longer reincarnate. I really believe that is the end game. That is what they've been seeking this whole time, as Steiner calls the eighth sphere. We talk about it a lot here. Uh, And the wonderful thing, once again, guys, is that once you know your own power and your own magic, I personally believe you can heal from anything, even if you did take the jibby-jabber, walkie-wacky. And you can, um, with every breath, there's new potential for a new miracle. As we talked about last week with drinking your own, from drinking your own piss to um, sun gazing to, I mean, we are very powerful consciousness, but you have to wake up from the spell. If you're under the spell, you have no chance at all. And that's what we're showing today, right, Richard? So, uh, hey, Richard, uh, interesting um, what's going on on kind of uh, this with um, all other aspects of, uh, of stuff. We were talking about baseball last night. I'm sorry about your cards, uh, but the Dodgers-Giants is going to be an epic series. I was asking... I, I put it behind me uh, because uh, you just have to tip your hat to the world champion Dodgers. And the Cardinals were... 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position. The only run we got was a wild pitch. So we didn't deserve to win it. And uh, you just got to say the Dodgers are the better team and go from there. What do you, I was going to ask. I'm at peace with it. (laughs) And, and good for you, man. I respect that. Uh, I've been there many times uh with my angels uh uh getting just uh over and over again just heartbreak i will but. never respect it dodgers so sorry <laughs> yes yes not a dodgers fan well what do you think the over under is bear as a giants fan uh oh uh what do you think the over under is on um uh violent death <laughs> from from brawling uh with the giants dodgers series i'm saying maybe one or two deaths from uh, post-game or, or during-the-game brawls. We know that happens a lot with these two teams. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't uh, follow anything anymore. You know, baseball was always my favorite sport, even though I ended up playing football, you know, more in the long run. And, uh, you know, I stopped watching baseball as a Giants fan when my mom used to take me to games and we were watching Willie Mays and Willie McCovey, Orlando Cepeda, and, uh, you know, that was kind of the golden age of uh, baseball. And I was sharing with uh, Richard yesterday that my theory about the downfall of America is when we adopted football as the national pastime over baseball. And I think it's been downhill ever since then. 
And that and when the Giants traded Jack Clark to the Cardinals. That could have touched it off, too. <laughs> Thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, baseball's always been my favorite sport. Haven't watched one game this year except for the Field of Dreams game I did watch because that was very interesting. And I think there's some esoteric, occulted symbology in that game. Richard might be worth you watching and breaking down. I bring up baseball and sports, though, because I think uh, – I don't know how much research you've done in that, but there seems to be a lot of gematria in mainstream corporatized professional sporting. Uh, and I think that's a major, major part, especially here in the States of the spell casting, right. Uh, of, of how the sports are. And I will say this, I was watching some highlights from last night's game and it was interesting. There wasn't, and this was in LA, right. It was at Dodger stadium. What wasn't a whole lot of masks being worn at the game, which is. Oh, good. Then there's hope for humanity still, even though our DNA has been hopelessly changed now, but uh, we'll just go on somehow. Yeah. Um, so it, it is interesting, right? Like the, the, the people will go to their games, right? It's like the, the gladiator games of old to keep everybody, um, you know, totally uh, entranced uh, and be packed in like sardines uh, and this, for some reason, the six foot distancing and the mask go out the window, but as soon as the game's over, it's like back to, uh, wearing your mask in the store and staying six feet apart. It's just mind boggling how that works. And of course, uh, Oliver Stone did a great movie. Uh, what was it on any given Sunday kind of, uh, getting into the occult of football, which was a great one. Sorry, Richard, you're about to say something. I cut you off there. Not as brilliant as you. Yeah. That's a good observation. Yeah, there's lots of occultism in, uh, you know, Oliver Stone movies, especially JFK, obviously. Mm -hmm. And The Doors. Mm -hmm. The Doors, yeah. Jim Morrison. Is he really in that grave? Hmm. <laughs> Seems yeah. a little too small for him, but uh, maybe they folded him, you know, who knows? So, Richard, in our phone call with you yesterday, uh, boy, I wish we would have recorded that. That was a, an amazing podcast in and of itself. And we we're talking, we we're going into flashes of light and dragons in the sky and every single uh, thing you can think of there. So uh, anything you can recall with our conversation yesterday that might be fun to get into? Well, yeah, we talked about maybe leaving people with something hopeful, you know with all this doom and gloom and cynicism and occultism and uh, witchery and spells. And I think um, a thing that really uh, could brighten up somebody's day is for people to be able to figure out the mass of your own soul. I've got a, um, a little uh, mathematical trick so that you can determine that. Um, to set this up, as I was saying, when I used to go to the doctor for different things, I would ask different doctors and nurses, if our temperature is uh, roughly 98.6 Fahrenheit, where is this heat coming from that we're radiating? You know, where, where, where is it? What's generating it? And nobody could tell me. And I'm like, you're a doctor. You're supposed to know these things. You know, Spock would know. We wear Spock. Get him. I'll ask him. Well, anyway, to make a long story bearable, it turns out the temperature is a very important indicator. The temperature is not the main thing. It's the byproduct of the soul, which is the loving 
intelligent radiating life force. It's radiating. That's your warmth. And the heat is a signature of that. So what you do to determine the mass of your soul is you take your body's temperature, say 98.6, whatever it is, and you convert your weight from pounds into grams. So you divide your body temperature by your weight in grams and you'll get a number. And it will be somewhere around, give or take, 0.22, which is one fifth of a gram per pound. So for every pound that you have of mass, the energy that it takes to animate that as living tissue is equal to one fifth of a gram per pound. That's your life force. That's your mass that anybody can now calculate. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And we're also uh, getting a little bit further into it as far as how since um, our entire existence is a product of thought-based electrical vectors. And when those electrical vectors are created in the first place, you know, of course, they polarize and that tension between the polarizations creates a wave waveform. And one of the uh, 18 dimensions on any waveform is uh, temperature. So, um, you know, all of these things really have a deeper understanding when you get into the physics behind everything. And yes, the soul is a real thing. It, uh, you know, does have a mass and, uh, you know, and it even gets uh, more fun when we realize it's a product of our own consciousness in the first place. And keep in mind, too, that the earth itself is a living organism. It's alive so that when you see and hear thunder and lightning that is the synopsis of the earth firing you know that's the earth thinking that's its uh, uh, you know electrical energy discharging the same as a brain wave and the, the whole thing about heat totally demolishes the flat earth people i don't know if any of you are flat earthers there's a perfect woman for me, but she's a vegetarian, she's a flat earther, and she drinks her own pee. And I could go along with two of the three, but, you know, not that third one there. No offense. <laughs> you just, um, you're just, uh, you just basically uh, talk, are talking about half our crowd right there. I'm sorry, people, but <laughs> the earth, not only is the earth not flat, it's impossible for the earth to be flat. The earth radiates more heat than it absorbs from the sun, believe it or not. So you've got heat at the center that's always pushing out, trying to get out. Well, why doesn't it all push out? Because what is not factored in is the coldness of space, the ether. The space is so cold that it forms a bubble to the heat. The heat is pushing out, the cold is pushing in from all directions. That's why sometimes you open your ice box and look at an ice cube and there's a little frozen bubble in it. There was just enough heat in that bubble and in and, and balance to the cold to freeze it in place. It's the same concept in physics with a soap bubble. The uh, soap bubble fluid is seven parts water to one part soap. And what you do when you blow a soap bubble through the little plastic 
uh, device, no matter what shape it is, whether it's round, rectangle, whatever, it will always form an imperfect sphere, the soap bubble that will bounce around on the air until it pops. You know, when suddenly there's not enough uh, tension to hold that bubble in shape, it's because it's the hot breath from your breath pushing out from the inside of the bubble against the cooler air pushing in. And, you know, we brought up Walter Russell a little bit in our conversation yesterday, and what you're describing is very close to something he might describe as uh, the cold or the space actually being uh, one half of the toroidal field cycle, which is, uh, you know, the part that radiates, uh, you know, the electrical vectors in a way that creates uh, what we, you know, sometimes think of as black holes or coldness. And then meanwhile, the other half of the cycle is compacting in and coalescing based on that coldness. And, and then, you know, and then the toroidal field, is just this constant interchange. And, um, you know, I'm kind of a globe as we're skeptic uh, because I think there's flaws on both sides of, uh, of everything, but, you know, more and more is coming out on that. But again, when you just default back to the physics of things and get out of the ideologies and, and a lot of the opinions out there, um, you know, it really explains a lot and things become crystal clear and it's no different than decoding anything else. And the beauty of it is, if it's true, it should, even though it can be intricate, it should be relatively simple and the pieces should all fit together with everything else. You know, it's really sublime when you hit upon some of these things, like when the spermatozoa reaches the egg, the first one, there's that flash of light of creation, you know, another universe being born within another universe, the universe of a person in this case, or a freak now, if, if your parents have been vaccinated. <laughs> and Wilhelm Reich talked about, um, you know, the the ethers or what we consider the atmosphere actually being a living intelligence and, uh, you know, when we put forces at play that then create from that canvas, so to speak, um, at that moment, it creates a flash of light on the so-called atmosphere or organ, as he termed it. And he used to photograph that and all sorts of things. So, again, what you're describing has been duplicated in experiments by some pretty brilliant minds. Wow. And that's even harkens back to in the beginning, there was darkness. And then there was light, the flash of light, the, the idea, the inspiration. First, there's the thought, and the thought creates the word. Exactly. And then you breathe, You the word is what creates the, the construct that we're all experiencing. I personally believe, I, I kind of, what I love about Walter Russell um, is that he is really great at kind of bridging the idea of a flat construct within a, 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 a spherical um, space. So it kind of like, he kind of satisfies both in that way, because I believe that there is this idea that uh, we, what we observe is what our consciousness dictates 
right? And we're understanding that through even quant the, the mainstream quantum. So when we're looking at stuff optically, of course, that's just half the equation, if not a much smaller part of the equation. So a lot of the flat earthers talk about, you know, um, snipers or with telescopes, what you're seeing, but let's keep in mind, our consciousness is at play here with everything. So I do, I do agree with you, Richard, it should be very simple, it should all fit in. And Walter Russell's uh, cosmology really makes a lot of sense. Um, and uh, bear we need to still have that one channel that ties all this in beautifully and they are occasionally in here chatting um the one we like that really ties in all these different aspects fpv angel fpv angel um so i will touch base with them again um but that being said the one thing we should all really focus on is gratitude for being here no matter how it works right is that we're all here to be able to talk about it and enjoy the experience uh and um and at least i am still all organic and I, I think you are too richard so we have lots of gratitude for that too that we're all organic all right, still. Bear, is, is the bear still organic i would imagine so <laughs> i think i'm still here <laughs> good 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 so we're all organic uh bio humans at this point yes well we are a uh an interaction between inorganic and organic organic are the elements in the atmosphere and the inorganic which we've called the elements on a periodic table which we talked about a little bit yesterday when those two interact then it creates a precipitation of matter and uh, you know like in the field of biogeometry and other things that i've been involved with a long time we identify different planes. So every living thing goes through electronic layers to finally coalesce into what we consider with our five uh, senses, physical matter. And I think a lot of when you get into all the flat earth stuff and everything, we're talking about planes. Well, there's a lot of truth that there are different electronic planes and they all add up to a, a matrix or a simulation of sorts of what we think of as three-dimensionality physicality. Right, and all is magnetic. It's the same thing with uh, when you walk into a cold room and your, your hand's warm, but the air is cold and you, you get a little piece of cellophane or a little thread on you and it's magnetically and you shake, try to shake it off and you can't shake it off. That is gravity on a micro scale. It's the, the reaction between hot and cold. The thread is radiating uh, heat, believe it or not, and so are you, and it connects because of the cold it's wild it's wild i tell you exactly it's, exactly it's the, it's the gravity ether, is not a gravity is not an independent force within nature it is just simply the differential between um, pressure potentials and then depending on the mass and so forth of uh, the different bodies you know finding equilibrium with each other you know some will uh uh, you know, kind of uh, appear to fall to larger objects, but it's not a force. It's all about pressure differentials. So there's so much more that's easier to understand uh, by a nine-year-old than all the crap that we have to learn in university when we're going through physics and everything, which has all mostly been debunked. Oh, I've learned so much more out of school than I ever learned in school. I'm sure you, you both could probably say the same thing. Yeah, they don't teach profound sacred truth, you know, within four walls. So, Richard, there are so many things that you've researched, uh, you know, beyond just the Beatles and everything we've uh, looked at so far. Are there any other kinds of topics that you'd like to 
delve into. I know we could probably do about a three-part series with you here because we're just kind of going all over the place and and touching on a lot of different topics. But anything uh, off the top of your head you'd like to talk about? Oh, there's just so many. You could virtually pick any topic. And just like all roads lead to Rome, the eternal city, pretty much all roads lead to some form of occultism, how it's been warped or twisted, you know, in our environment today. Pick a topic, you know, reach into a hat and grab it. Uh, the, the playing deck cards, Vegas. Well, that mimics, uh, you know, the four suits. You got your four seasons. You got 13 cards in each deck, you know. It goes on. You got 52 cards, the weeks of the year, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you can do, uh, uh, you know, a tarot deck with a deck of cards. What about, uh, 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 the, uh, and we are running up on time here, and I want to respect your time and everybody. And uh, I, I, speaking of un, uh, non-schooling, I, I got to get back to unschooling my kids. Um, but um, related, one thing I've been always fascinated with is the forefathers of the great republic here of the of the, the original United States, not the all caps corporation United States of America. There's a lot of occult there, uh, and there's a lot of argumentation on the, you know, the original founders, what their, uh, you know, motivation was. Were they, you know, we know that they were related to the Masons and, and, and to um, Gnosticism and to Deism and all this. And there's obviously we talked about Washington, D.C. and everything. What in your mind, um, were there good, good and bad? I know that's relative, but uh, the original Constitution and everything, what uh, occulted wise, uh, what do you have to say about that? Well, it was occulted in black magic even long before George Washington, you know, took the first oath. Uh, for president on the witches' Sabbath, uh, April 30th, 1789. It was going on at least when uh, Mary Childers, the 13-year-old virgin, was the first European woman to set forth on Plymouth Rock, you know, the foundation stone of the new country. And there were two uh, major conjunctions going on uh, at that time, people can look up, uh, similar to the two major conjunctions that went on uh, on the date it happened uh, 400 years later on uh, December 21st, 2020. So we're talking December 21st, 1620 to December 21st, 2020. You divide 400 by the number six and you'll get an interesting number. If you got a calculator there, go ahead and do it. The movie Eyes Wide Shut uh, has the record for the longest uh, major motion picture to be in principal photography and it's for 400 days six six so, six 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 lots of six yeah there. you divide it um, by six you get 66.666 it never ends it never ever ends and the the great takeaway out of all this guys is uh we live in a magical realm um it's there it's based on duality the polarity is here we have free will choose the right path uh, you have the right and the left path. You have the blue pill, the red pill. All of this is is right in front of our face. Have fun with it and stay organic and um, go to the light and uh, and do everything we talk. So, Richard, like we literally talk about this every week, all these amazing things you can do to heal yourself and be aware and be righteous and live a wholesome life. Those are all the things. 
And uh, all of this stuff can just be really fun uh, to look into and to uh, be aware of. At least that's my take. Yeah, I try to I try to remain out of it as much as possible and just study it. But, you know, you can get uh, wrapped up into it pretty easy. But the big guy wins in the end. Uh, good triumphs over evil. And uh, we're living in the greatest adventure that's ever been going on on planet Earth. You know, we're talking about a whole planetary genocide that's taking place. You know, in the old days, if you deny the Holocaust, you get in trouble. If you say it didn't happen, you get in trouble. And it's the opposite today. If you say there's a worldwide genocide happening today, you get in trouble. You get banned. So that just shows you how screwy and insane planet Earth is. And I love it because uh, it keeps my pen hand busy writing and researching and <laughs> finding everything. So I guess we should end it there, fellas. What do you think? I Are think it's been a brilliant talk. talk. <laughs> I could listen to you talk all day, but uh, but we're probably uh, probably at a good point there. And maybe we can even uh, figure out a way to go a little deeper in a part two sometime in the future. Yeah, as soon as the, the, the world's ready for it, we'll go part two. You know, when you <laughs> okay. think they can handle it. I, I Mike Bear, it's been a pleasure. I love you both. You're my two new friends. And uh, let's do it again soon. Thanks so much, Richard. This has been a fantastic one. One I'm going to have to re-listen to uh, for sure because there was so much covered. Uh, I hope everybody out there really enjoyed this. If you did uh, uh, you know, enjoy this, please give us a thumbs up. Uh, share it with your friends and family. Subscribe if you haven't already. This is on YouTube and DLive and Odyssey. Uh, we'll see how much longer on YouTube. Uh, and this also goes out as an audio <laughs> podcast too. So it'll be on Spotify and iTunes and all those platforms. Um, we are going more and more decentralized. One thing I didn't announce too, we will be launching on besovereign.com. It's uh, Sayer G's new platform. Uh, we will be one of the first brands on there, besovereign.com. Check it out. If you are a content creator and are looking to be on a sovereign platform that will not be censoring and that will not be taken down, they've literally got these servers in a bunch bunker uh they've got full control over uh so it's a good it's a good step towards the decentralization revolution revolution which we are working on with cordal uh so check out cordal as well cordal.org and sayer is happy for me to say that because he's a big supporter of cordal as well and he sees that being the end road but for now we have be sovereign and who knows maybe down the line be sovereign will be on cordal but besovereign.com. We will have our channel launching there soon and we'll be doing all sorts of great content on there. So thank you, everybody. And, uh, and I have one last question for Richard. Uh, if people want to find your work, uh, how would you direct them? Because I know you have a lot of podcasts uh, doing interviews with different people, but how yes. can we best find you? Uh, you could uh, hunt me down by going to JCK. Uh, she has a long uh, video we did. She has a, a PDF for sale as well. You can go to Dr. James Fetzer. We've done a couple of uh, interviews on the uh, death of Paul McCartney. We're getting ready to do John Lennon since it's his birthday, um, you know, this week. Uh, you can also go to the Sage of Quay, uh, Mike Williams, Paul is Dead channel. I have, I think, about four uh, interview videos on there. And... Uh, I have a website, but I don't uh, really do anything to it. I've inserted very little content there yet. So hopefully uh, 
that'll be expanded just in time to be uh, shut down and banned, you know, by somebody. So <laughs> as soon as I get it going, awesome. and I'm working on my book, my book, uh, actually two books I'm working on right now, America Alchemy, which deals with a lot of this insanity. And uh, I'm working on Beatles Satanica, the premeditated satanic ritual sacrifice of the world's greatest band. And that's going to be a real page turner. But, you know, with the worldwide genocide going on right now, that's like the bigger story. Because this Satanism went on way back when and they got away with it. Now this is the Satanism they're doing now. It's bigger, bolder. It's everywhere. They're building well, they're, they're building Satanism back better. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of it that way. That's a that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, Richard, this is awesome. So I'll leave some of those links in the show notes below, guys. If you're listening or on YouTube or whatnot, just find them there. Um, really entertaining stuff. Richard, thanks so much, man. You have I love your mind. I love how you see the world and the way you connect things. Uh, you're a true treasure, and we're happy you're here. And let's do part two. I'd love to dive into the Build Back Better um, uh, kind of new technocracy development and into technology and stuff you uncover there because um, that's always fascinating. We didn't even talk about big tech. And, and also, we didn't even get into like... Um, uh, the Intel we did, we touched on it, but we didn't even talk about Tavistock and, uh, on all of that interesting storyline. So lots to cover. We'll have you on again and have a beautiful day. Uh, we'll chat soon. Astronomically, um, today through Friday, the sun is exactly conjunct Mars. Mars is action. So I would say to everybody listening and watching, now's the time to do something, to be bold, to make a bold move. Hmm. The heavens uh, have the wind at your sails. I love that. So maybe if you guys have been thinking about sending a notice of liability, now's the time to do it. Uh, or get outside and start a garden. Never too late. So love it, Richard. Thanks so much for that. And uh, yeah, as we always end the show, guys, uh, thanks again. Um, check us out on Telegram, on Patreon. Uh, and uh, alphabetic.com is where to find us. And get out. make sure to get outside, get your feet in the ground. Go grow something. Go for a hike. Mother Nature is really the best teacher. She loves you and wants to help you out. So as do we. So we love you guys. We'll see you next week. Uh, and thanks again. Cheers. <laughs>